0: the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology, curated by Sarah Elizabeth Smith and Kelsey Davis. Be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com Theosophia and consider supporting this labor of love project for women's empowerment. This week, Kelsey and I sit down and talk about the meaning of Lent. Lent is the liturgical season in the Christian calendar that represents the 40 days Jesus went to the desert before his death. This season begins with Ash Wednesday and ends with Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Kelsey and I explore the ways in which Lent has been used as a theology of shame and guilt and how we might offer theology of original goodness to help modern believers to find a balance in our tradition season of penitence. Hope you all enjoy this rich conversation. Here we go. Lent. Let's talk about Lent. Let's talk about Lent. So Lent is the season in a liturgical year. The liturgical traditions that has to do with this season. Jesus was went to the wilderness or the desert for forty days and forty nights to pray and fast and to be in this season of what we call penitence, which we'll get into more. That's kind of feeling sorrowful, or regretful, or sad. I'm sure lonely. All the like dark morbid types of feelings and thoughts humans have. And um, this is before the Easter moment where Christ is eventually taken up into state authority and killed, right? And then we have the resurrection Easter where Christ comes back, God comes back. So it's this whole season and there's nothing, like you said earlier, biblical about Lent. I don't even think that word's in the text. No. I don't even know. We're going to have to do some research on what, like, Lent, the, that word means. Do you know what that means? Lent?
1: I think it has something to do, I think it comes... Is from, it a Latin word? Yeah, a Latin word that, I think it means spring, maybe, or, like, the coming of spring.
0: Yeah, because it's always, again, during the liturgical time of spring, things are being reborn things are being renewed which is exactly that makes sense to me that you know all of creation's blossoming and being renewed and just like the resurrection and you know life after death type cycle which a lot of religious traditions have something like this uh but ours is celebrated through this moment of lent kind of a preparation for death and then death happens and then renewal um so, yeah, it's a time of people take on practices or give up things. As a lot of people hear, people giving up types of food or going on diets or, or taking on spiritual practices. Um, so I, I personally this year took up meditation. I've never done it before. My therapist told me it would be really good for me to do because I'm always in my head. And I have a hard time being present. And meditation is just, in the Christian tradition, we'd call it contemplative prayer, whatever you want to call it, uh, where you really focus on being present. And in in Christian language, letting the Spirit, noticing and being attuned to the Spirit and what the Spirit's doing in your present life. So that's something I've taken on and it's been really great.
1: Um, What does that that practice look like for you?
0: What does it look like? Yeah, what do you do? Oh, I, I have a little app on my phone that my uh, spiritual director get, told me about called the Insight Timer. It's an app. It's amazing. And it has all these meditations. And I do, right now I'm doing guided meditations. Just, to, I think that's helpful for people who've never done it before is mm-hmm. have a little bit of structure. But I, I feel like I'm about to get to where I want just silence and have a timer with the little gong you know you click on it and it you know helps you center and then it hits it again when you're you're done with your time but I've been doing meditations by Tara Brock who's a famous Buddhist uh, teacher and hers are really great and they're just like 10 minutes that's all I do every morning 10 minutes just to kind of get my day focused so it's been wonderful I feel so much more able to just be steady and in control of my thoughts during the day and I don't spin out of control and get super anxious, which is what I default to is fear and anxiety. So have you taken on or given up anything?
1: Yeah. It's interesting that um, you're meditating with Tara as a Buddhist teacher because Mm -hmm. I'm working through um, a book by Thich Nhat Hanh. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm working through Reconciliation, the healing of the inner child. Mm. So this Lenten season has really been for me about um, facing my own suffering head on, mm-hmm. and so that I can start to really, you know, work through it and move through it to to be at a place of compassion, not only for myself but for the world and for everyone mm-hmm. around me. Um, and so, this book is amazing. Um, he offers, you know, really beautiful insight, but also some practical stuff. So, one of the um, exercises that I've been doing this Lent is letter writing
0: mm-hmm. back
1: and forth to my former selves um, mm-hmm. throughout my life, and then, you know, responding as the adult that I am now. And it's been this really creative and imaginative way to love you know each phase of who I've been and what I've experienced throughout my life and ways that I've been wounded but also ways that I've also wounded others Mm -hmm. Um, and you know I was I was with one of my priest friends yesterday and he's a mentor to me and I told him I said I think I've apologized more this Lent um, to other people um, than I have in my entire life combined because there's just it just you know when you start to recognize not only ways that we've been hurt, but we've we've unintentionally, you know, hurt others. It's mm-hmm. really important to say I'm sorry and also thank you, you know, mm-hmm. thank you for your patience and understanding and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been my it's my been my practice, and it's been pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very healing. But it's it's interesting that we both are being led with by Buddhist teachers yeah. right now. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot to say about that for a mm-hmm. season. I think about, you know, facing facing suffering. Yeah.
0: I think the Buddhists just have a better language about suffering. And and Christians just we we get all wrapped up in this really negative, shameful theology of being self-deprecating as if that's going to help anything. And we we've just I think Christianity there is language in our tradition to do this well and to do it healthfully. Uh but the Buddhists are much better much, much better with suffering.
1: Yeah. It, it, it feels uh, more constructive, right? Yeah. Like you move through suffering to enact compassion. Yeah. And, um, and I agree with that completely. And yeah, there's, and there's, there's a big difference. I was reminded yesterday also by my, by my mentor, one of my mentors that, um, you know, there's a huge difference between shame and guilt and um, you know, Brene Brown has a lot to say about mm-hmm. this whole topic. Um, but that shame is more exis- existential. That's, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I am not good. My being is not good. Whereas mm-hmm. guilt is, I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, really understanding that the slippery slope, I think, for Christianity is airs towards shame, um, where we rethink that we are wrong and we've done something wrong and we're bad. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, from the garden. Right. Yeah.
0: That theology just really sets us up for thinking about Christian anthropology, what it means to be a human, as it's innately a bad thing. We are broken. We're defective in some way. We'll never be whole. But there's also a story of original goodness in the garden. And by the way, original sin is a made up thing by St. Augustine, it's not in the text. It's a made up theology, which is why I love both of us love theology so much. It's like theology is what I'm getting on a tangent now, but you know, know, theology is what our ideas we create about God. Mm -hmm. Uh, People get so obsessed about the Bible. I want to understand the Bible. I'm like, well, we can, like, all we do with the text is create theologies from it. So I'm more interested in the theologies we create because those are the things that kill people mm-hmm. and and inflict lifelong ideas of what you're saying, shame and guilt. I can't tell you how many people I sit, just randomly meet at the bar and I tell them what I, what I do. And they all they talk about, mostly women too, like, oh, I don't, you know, I have all this shame and stuff literally they say that word shame from my experience in the church because I got divorced because I got pregnant because I got an abortion because I'm gay whatever it is the first people when they have like talk about their faith experience they say either say the word shame or guilt or this is why I no longer go to church and it's because of that exact feeling mm-hmm. and I'm like but then I feel like the church has done a great disservice all these people, to me, need the church, need community, need a loving, healthy relationship with God. But it's been totally screwed up and torn apart because all they've heard was original sin, original sin. Again, a made up theological thing that we, needed, we need better theology and better language for, which is what I think you wrote this beautiful piece for our, uh, well, for the world, but we posted it on the Theosophia.com page about Ash Wednesday in particular, which is the day that begins Lent. And it's a very, it's my favorite day in the liturgical calendar because it, it creates space for reminding us that we came from the dust and kind of like our smallness and our kind of our insignificance in the whole scheme of things that we are just part of the earth and that to the earth we were we will one day return the finality and the mortality of, of human being human. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but it's not all bad. So I, that's where I think Christianity screws it up and needs to offer a, a theology of original goodness because there's both. And that's where Christianity screws up is we try to say, well, no, it's this or this, but it's really, it's both. There, there has to be, I think a theology of, Uh, if sure, like call it original sin, I don't care. Or original darkness maybe would be a little better and more true because we all are part, have energy of dark and light and good and bad. And we're both, we're always both and we're human and we're divine, just like Christ was in our theology of the incarnation. God is both man and God. And we were made of both human stuff and spirit stuff. So I'm just, I could go on and on. But we can't we can't just be one thing because we're not. We're we're more complex than this. And again, this is where I think Buddhism and other types of practices really incorporate the divine, you know, you say at the end of a yoga session like Namaste, you it's a I see the divine in you, right? I honor the light within you as I honor the light within myself. And that's in christian language you're honoring god inside of you and god and another right so we gotta we gotta do both and maybe do you want to talk about your piece and and how you're trying to get at
1: that sure yeah i I think the the terminology that might translate or transmit um you know that that gets at the namaste concept is is you know the amado day Latin for the image of god and that we all carry in, in us. Um, you know, and and the way that I understand sin, that, that big, scary word, um, is really is separation. Mm -hmm. And that means any sense of isolation from God or from each other Mm -hmm. and yourself and yourself, that we are, we are fundamentally created to be gathered together to be distinctly, fully who we are in the midst of community um, that God loves diversity and um, mm-hmm. how we're made up. Um, and we can talk about that another time too, because not all diversities are helpful. Like mm-hmm. socioeconomic diversity is not <laughs> really a helpful diversity, but I'm, I'm talking more about who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. Our di- yeah, diversity. Anthropology. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but that, but that we're, we're meant to be gathered together and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the, the reading for um, the re- the gospel reading um, was all about God as a mother hen mm-hmm. and get, that God wants to gather us um, and, and love us. And so sin to me is any time that we are fragmented in ourself, that we're compartmentalizing our own selves. And if we are fragmented from one another, because therefore we are pushing away from God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how I understand it. It's just sort of basic separation. So are my actions helping me be more whole? Mm -hmm. Um, Are my actions bringing me closer to community? Are my actions therefore bringing me closer to God? And if not, then I would qualify that as quote unquote sin. so the forgiveness, then the forgiveness piece, which is also part of this penitential season, is um, asking for help. And mm-hmm. Asking for help because we are limited in our perspectives, we're limited in our actions. You know, we we make mistakes, um, and so the forgiveness piece is less. Um, you need to feel ashamed, or I need to feel ashamed of myself. It's I need to remember that I'm built for community, and I need the help and support of. Mm-hmm community to flourish so that was that was part of the base of of what was in my mind and heart when i was writing this ash wednesday piece as well as just really desiring a more loving and liberating life-giving theology around the lenten season and particularly ash wednesday like remember that you are dust and you are human and immortal and and beautifully so Mm -hmm. Um, beautifully so and that when we talk about repentance which you know the Greek is metanoia it literally means to just turn around or to have a change of your heart
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and so this idea of okay I'm on this journey and I'm wayward and I've gotten sort of off track what is it that I'm turning back to and that is a huge question I think spiritually Mm -hmm yeah like what is the god or who is the god that you are being called to turn around like what what is that is it a god of love and gentleness and tenderness is it a god of wrath and anger you know what who is this god that we come back home to and so that's that's part of what i was meditating on when, when i wrote this piece um it's on the website for everyone to read if you know, Sarah Miles has this beautiful quote. It's on the it's on the page also, but um in City of God, Faith in the Streets. Um, the whole book is about her experience of going out on Ash Wednesday with at St. Gregory of Nassau, which is an Episcopal church in San Francisco, and they did the sort of Ashes to go model. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so for anyone who who wanted to receive ashes, and she has this beautiful quote, and it's she says. Repentance means turning toward other human beings, our own flesh and blood, wherever they're oppressed, hungry, or imprisoned. It means acting with compassion instead of indifference. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Sarah? It's
0: so good <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah she's she's pretty amazing Sarah's amazing, yeah
0: turning towards other human beings, because this is how we work out our own stuff is in relationship. Mm. You know, there's no other way to do it. Really. You can sit around and wrestle with God in your room at night or whatever and talk to yourself, but really things were worked out in relationship. But to really see the vulnerability of the human situation in all of our situations, I can sit up in my bougie house and my bougie clothes you know, and eat my bougie meals and drink my bougie coffee. But, you know, to dust I shall return. It doesn't matter. All these appearances are things I have. And to go out and be with people that feel more earthy, maybe, that aren't as polished and primped as my life is. Um, But they're just as human and just as made of dust as I am. And... I think as Christians especially we're called to serve one another as Christ served us right mm-hmm. and that's what it means to be Christ like is to help those who are and be there for those who are less fortunate and are in systems of oppression so
1: and, and and allow and to take that even a step further to allow for the possibility of community to be formed because it's not about just doing for; yeah. it's, it's being doing with, with right? yeah. And so, what does it mean to allow the possibility of true friendship, mm-hmm. and community to be formed mm-hmm. uh, in the places that we would rather not go? Yeah. And and you know, I know for myself, it's not always to the margins necessarily. Like, there's some mm-hmm. powerful perceived people of power that I would rather not go be in friendship with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the question of, um, you know, can we hold space and and be courageous and compassionate enough to
0: mm-hmm. allow
1: relationships of of friendship and community to bond so that we're mutually nurturing um, one mm-hmm. another. And and that's where I see her, her line as acting with compassion and saying, yeah,
0: that's the difference of giving money to charity and going and being with people and hearing their stories, right? Sure. I mean, and that's sharing the, life together.
1: That's the model of accompaniment. You know, mm-hmm. sort of the mm-hmm. deepest form of, I think, justice making and, and community is when we are literally walking side by side, shoulder to shoulder with each other. Um,
0: and that's the symbol of the cross and the dust is that this is what equalizes us is our humanity is the 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 stuff of mortality and the spirit like we are all this is what unites us and makes us the same and all the social differences and stereotypes and classes we we created god didn't create these things we did that's right that when you accept, you know, that you are dust and to dust you shall return, this reminds us where we come from, who we are and where we're going. And it's the same. Mm. All that other BS is stuff, lies we, we tell ourselves mm. to make, to make categories and make things nice and neat. And I'm going to live here and you're going to live there. It makes us feel more comfortable. But the, the faith and the journey of Lent is not to be comfortable, right? That's not what it's about. A metanoia, a transformation, a turning around, that's not going to be comfortable. That's not what God's saying. Repentance isn't give more money, right? It's change your heart. Mm-hmm. Is when you see someone in need or like the simplest thing of like, God, this happened last night. My, we were paying a bill. And our server worked her butt off for us all night. And, you know, I I was in the service industry, so I always give like twenty per, 25% tip because I know what it's like and you bust your butt and you're just living off people's crumbs and, you know, any sort of service industry job just sucks. It's the worst thing to have to do because people suck and people rarely meet you with compassion. And just like... I have the means of something so simple as how I treat that my server, our interactions, and how much tip you leave, right? It's like all the things of that experience. of someone serving you, like you have an opportunity of how are you going to treat that person and how much you're going to financially support them. Anyways, and, and I'm getting off another tangent. But just to say like it takes – and moments of meeting people who are different than you of how you're going to treat them. And, and that, that's the uncomfortable part for some people is Mm. to actually lock eyes with someone and ask how they're doing instead of I need another beer, Mm. you know?
1: Mm. Yeah. I think what I hear in that is it gets back to that, um, Recognizing the, the divinity and mm-hmm. the, the original goodness that's in every single person. And when you talk about the changing of the heart and, and the shedding, um, You know, it's a season of shedding. It's good it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it to be a raw season of back some of the, the callousness and the layers that we've built up around ourselves. And, and that's different for everyone, but we all have them. And you know when you actually have a callus, like on your foot or something, like you you rub it down, it gets really raw. Mm -hmm. What happens is the skin gets really tender, and it kind of hurts for a little bit until some new skin can form. Um, And so this this time is really that it's examining, you know, where are the places in my heart that are callous? Um, Who are the who are the people? What are the ways? either towards myself, Mm -hmm. you know, you can callous towards your own Mm -hmm. goodness, Mm -hmm. um, let alone towards, towards other human beings. But, but what are the callous and how can I invite practices that Mm. are going to spiritual practices that are going to kind of rub down those calluses Mm -hmm. to a tender place? Yeah. So that come Easter morning or Easter tide and we move towards the next season of of new life coming forward that we're in en- enough of a tender place that we can receive, we can receive the grace and the love that's, that's there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that has been there the whole time, but right. liturgically we mark it um, in time and space, but, but that's what I really think this season's about. And so, you know, something in your heart has been rubbed down to where you see a server cause you were a server and there's a tenderness there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think that that's, that's also what part of, you know, this is part of it. And, um, becoming tender is painful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do that. Um, I'm experiencing that right now. You know, I've cried off and on all of Lent so far. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. I've been just super teary.
0: Um,
1: but that's my prayer is that Mm -hmm. that God would be making me tender. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that I can I can receive and give love more freely, Mm -hmm. and not be freaking afraid of myself, my own goodness, or other people. Yeah, you know.
0: And that's where I think the focus on my spiritual director always says, you know, you are perfect and whole and complete.
1: Mm.
0: Always coming back to this idea. To me, that's her saying original goodness. You are good. God made you good. God made you perfect. You're not you know every you're you're gonna mess up. you're human. You're gonna make you know choices that may have not been the best or do something out of alignment with yourself and your values. but you can always come back to yourself and you can always come back to God and 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 reflect on these things and be like, well, in the moment I thought I was making the right decision, and maybe it was right for that moment, but now, as time's gone on, it didn't work out, and it wasn't the best thing. And it's only through time and experiences do we can we really reflect on whether our decisions were whatever they were. Um, if that makes any sense, yeah. But but trying to say trying to look at Lent or this time of like I'm broken and I need fixing, like is just not helpful. And the 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 idea of shame and guilt is not helpful long-term for humans to be sitting on that. Because people carry it, like I told you, for the rest of their lives, people are messed up by these feelings and it eats them alive. When the whole time, what, what if you lived and understood that you were good and that everything you needed was inside yourself already? You just have gotten so far away from it, you don't even know what it is anymore. God is inside of us. That's how I thought it was silly growing up. Um, the altar call at camp or whatever, FCA meetings, every day, it's like they ask you to give your life to Jesus. And I had friends who do it over and over again. I'm like, what are you doing? God's already in you. Why, why are we talking about this? Salvation's already here because God made us in God's image. You don't, accepting Jesus into your heart, like Jesus has been there the whole time. Why, that, that doesn't make, that's never made any sense to me. Mm. I think there can be a moment of awareness, but I think every day we have to, and that's what the practice of meditation is about for me, is every day being aware of the spirit in me, of Jesus's spirit, of God's spirit in me. It's a daily reminder I need to have. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a spiritual practice. It doesn't have to be this emotional, get down on my knees and drink the blood of Christ, weird, morbid shit, but it, I mean, that's fine if that's what people need to do for the initial, oh, my gosh. But I don't know. I don't think it has to be as aggressive and damning as that. Mm -hmm. I think it can be this place of beautiful self-awareness. If I was made good in God's image and I can access that every day Mm -hmm. and be brought back to that truth. And it doesn't have to be, oh my God, I did something so bad. I'm a terrible person and you know I'm damned to hell. No, I'm just a human. I'm doing the best I can. And uh, I'm going to get back to that original goodness in myself. And from there I make decisions Mm -hmm. and meet others in relationality and of health and wholeness. Because when we meet each other in shame and guilt, nothing good comes from this. Can you imagine?
1: I, I can, because I've practiced that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been there, I, I, I still still wrestle with it and mm-hmm. um you know, we know from psychology like psychology 101 is you know, how we perceive ourselves is what we will project mm-hmm. onto the world. And so if you believe that you are not good enough, if if you if you are full of shame and Guilt, then you will be really hard on people around you. Mm-hmm. You will hold people to a ridiculously high standard because you're holding yourself to a ridiculously mm-hmm. high standard. If you see yourself as full of love and goodness and um, someone who deeply needs community to be whole, mm-hmm. then you are going to project love and goodness onto this world. Mm-hmm. And if you are someone who says, I'm healing, you're going to be a healer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I think this this sort of all sums up to be is how do you name God mm-hmm. and how do you name yourself? Mm-hmm. Because that is how you will show up in relationship to other mm-hmm.
0: people. Mm-hmm.
1: So those are the those are the questions I think to to sum up today. How do you name God, and how do you name yourself? Yeah. Because I think Sarah and I would both want the whole world to hear that God is love, and and you are the beloved. Yeah. You are good. And let's
0: start with that and see what, what happens. Exactly. Thanks for joining us this week, y'all. Hope you enjoyed our conversation about Lent, and be sure to go to our website, theosophiapodcast.com, and read Kelsey's piece on Ash Wednesday. It's super powerful and eloquently written. Also check out our social media platforms and join us next week for Kelsey's conversation with Thistle Farms founder and Episcopal priest Becca Stevens. This is the first episode of a short series we are doing on mentors, so y'all won't want to miss it, and Mother Becca offers some incredible wisdom. See y'all next week. Peace.